Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, around the world, around the internet. This is your host, Ben Frawley, for the Onstage blog, and we are desperately seeking your entertainment, your source for all things entertainment. I am joined by two very, 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 very good friends of mine, Mr. Robert Larson and Lynette. What is going on? Robert, what's going on? Say hi to the people. Hi, people. <laughs> Fancy seeing you guys here. Lynette, what's going on with you? Uh, how come he gets a last name and I don't? Oh, did I? <laughs> Lynette Williams, what's going on with you, lady? I'm good. I'm good. Cheers. Cheers. Yes, yes, yes. So this week uh, we were given free reign of the pod without our regular host. So it's going to be anarchy. It's going to be like the principal closed the door and Judd Nelson's just going to rule the, de- the detention hall. Give me lots of nudity and swearing. <laughs> I hold, I held, I hid my dope inside Johnson's shorts. <laughs> anyway, so we have a lot to talk about, but folks, if you're tuning in for the first time, uh, let, let me break down the pod really quick. We're all going to bring three different stories or topics from around the world surrounding the world of entertainment. And then at the end, we're going to go YouTube and we're going to go down the rapids of YouTube and we're going to find out what we're really into and what's going on. So, um, guys, usually Chris hands it off, but, you know, I'm Beth Frawley, so I'm going to go first this week. First, second and third. You obviously don't know how to please a woman. That's right. You might not get to go at all, so be quiet. (laughs) Anyway, so. (laughs) I will make my voice heard. (laughs) So I want to bring up a topic that we all shared, an event we all shared this weekend. I want to talk about the After Dark Presents presentation of the movie The Beyond. And uh, directed by Lucio Fulci and in front of the live band of Fabrio Frizi, a live band performing it with the composer of this crazy horror movie. So if, if folks at home don't know what The Beyond is, it is pro- possibly one of the most ludicrous, ludicrous, gory movies of all time. And Lynette and Bobby and my friend Katie, she came out and we went and saw this crazy, crazy movie. Uh, I know what I thought about this whole thing. Lynette, why don't you start us off? I want your take on this experience that we all had uh, last Friday in Syracuse. Well, let me start by saying I am happy that I went. However, it was probably the most goriest, disgusting thing I've ever seen. So how do you even know that? You watched half of it through your fingers. (laughs) You mean when I wasn't, like, punching you with it? Um... Yeah, I had the pleasure of sitting next to this woman. Who simple things of people opening a door would jolt her out of her seat and flailing her knuckles like we were in a UFC match. Yeah, pretty much. I, I'm a big scaredy cat. Uh, and I'm okay with that. It's what's kept me alive for this long. Um, no, I actually, I like the storyline. I really did like the storyline, even if I was scared and jumped out of my seat, which is okay. I can admit my, my uh, shortcomings. But, like, the gore itself was a little overwhelming. And I'm a nurse. I've seen some pretty gory stuff. That was tremendously disgusting. 
Well, that's what made the movie. It would not be, we would have not have been there if it was just a normal movie. True. If, if it didn't have the gore, nobody would be there. That's true. Because it has uh, tarantulas eating people's faces <laughs> and, <laughs> and eyeballs getting poked out. Well, hold on, hold on. So, Lynette, I asked you guys before we started watching, what was the most, what was the scene you'll never forget ever? Lynette, go ahead. Well, Bobby already told my scene. Okay. It, it's going to be the tarantula eating the eyes yeah. for, for multiple reasons. One, I'm usually not arachnophobic, uh, but when you come to hairy spiders, I am. Um, once they're large enough that I can see their eyeballs, I'm not, I'm not down with that. And uh, then the fact of how the tarantula pulled the eyeball out of the socket. <laughs> I, I almost left at that point. That was like. <laughs> One of the points where I was like, I might need to leave and just go to the bathroom for a second. <laughs> and I didn't blink for the whole thing. My hands were up and uh, disgusting noises came out. But my God, I could not look away from that. So it was like they could afford or find two spiders. So they That's like, true. made some Fabergé spiders <laughs> and moved their... I don't even know how they would move it with strings or a stick in the back. The most right, unrealistic looking spiders ever. What was your scene, Bobby? Uh, well, it's hard to beat that one in, you know, like any movie. But, uh, well, the one that really got us was towards the beginning when they're in, when the guy was in the basement and he's looking through the hole and the music stops and it gets quiet and then a hand flies out and I don't know, what, what does it do? It just, the fingers go through his face or something? It goes right through the eyes. Through his eyeball? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Lynette jumped uh, probably the biggest part at that time. So, yeah, those two things together, that was my favorite scene. So, Bobby, what was the overall experience of seeing the Beyond with the band and everything? Just break it down. What, what were your thoughts? Well, this was our second show yeah. with seeing a band in front. And what was the first movie we saw? Oh, we saw um, Profundo Rosso, which is Deep Red with uh, the band Goblin in Syracuse. Yeah. Yeah, and considering that movie was playing and a band playing and I still managed to fall asleep somehow, I'm going to go with The Beyond as just a great movie in general. Yeah. But uh, you play that play that music in, in the most. We were in amphitheater, not amphitheater, a... Um, in the IMAX. IMAX. Yeah, IMAX. Yeah. You know, so we were comfy, the big screen, surround sound. You, you couldn't beat it. That was, that was uh, I don't know, it's hard to beat that one. I mean, just concerts in general are hard to beat a movie and a band playing along. Yeah, uh, I mean, my, I love like that type of music, that prod rock, and so like I was trying to describe someone the the scene there. So not only did you have crazy horror movie buffs, you also had like these geeky sev- late seventies prod rock uh, nerds too. So this guy was talking about ELP, Emerson, Lincoln Palmer, in the band Goblin, and their influences on rock. And then also you had a horror movie guy behind us talking about like Lucio Fulci and Dario Argento. It was kind of my heaven. <laughs> it was kind yeah, of it was like nerds heaven. anonymous. <laughs> I understood all the references <laughs> they made, um, but the band itself, the uh, Fabio Fabrizi from uh, Italy. Oh, both bands are straight up, you know, from Italy. Right. Um, my God, to, I wish I was that good at something. I mean, just technically tight. I didn't hear Lynette. You're, you know, you're into theater and performance and everything. I didn't hear one mistake. No, I didn't hear one mistake either. It was. I mean, and, and the is, other, yeah. The other thing was, is the music was like, 
it was interesting to me because the music was kind of 60 or 70 80s ish but it felt more contemporary and i don't i i want it i meant to ask that if they actually updated the music for this because since it was the composer's cup if maybe he tweaked it a little or was this like literally was it the original soundtrack um i think you know um this is the original score but maybe the instruments sound a little better. You know, of course, um, synthesizers and uh, distortion pedals sound a little better nowadays. Um, if you put in the movie, which next time you guys come over, we'll just watch the movie again. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> you can listen to the original soundtrack. It sounds very similar. Um, but just high technical playing. And, I mean, as far as bass playing, guitar playing, drum playing is out of control. And... Uh, I didn't hear one mistake, almost perfection. It was almost, you know, I was talking about how I went to go see uh, John Williams at Tanglewood. And, you know, you have the Boston Symphony Orchestra playing like John Williams music. I mean, and you have technical perfection there. It was the same kind of level of musicianship. And it was just really hard to beat. And I just love the juxtaposition of, you know, you have this crazy offbeat gore porn horror movie <laughs> and then you have these amazing musicians flown in from around the world it it was kind of one of my favorite things of all time i don't know uh lynette would you ever go to something like that ever again yeah of course i would um awesome. yeah i would i mean i prefer for it not to be as gory but yeah <laughs> uh then there won't be anybody there <laughs> They're not going to show Titanic with a live band. They've done that. That, that, they... that live band went down with the ship in the movie. Oh, but it didn't. Um, they actually did that at SPAC um, I, with, um, I forgot who did it. But yeah, they did it at SPAC with, I believe they did it at SPAC with Titanic. And uh, I know they did it with Harry Potter. So it's not, it's, Potter, right? I, I can, I can get there. I can do this. Right. I will do it with something else. I mean, I'm not. I'm not against any other horror movie, just maybe not so gruesome. <laughs> I love Those it. Those two go hand in hand. That is one of my favorite. That Do movie. Know? You know, that movie is. It kind of clicks along almost like a porn movie. Like it's there's almost no dialogue in between the gore effects. You're just kind of waiting for the action. You're just like, all right, and so are they. <laughs> like they don't even fill the movie with like, what was that? Let's go. Oh my god, I'm scared. They don't even bother. It's just a lot of people walking down a dark hallway and, and waiting to get like, you know, yeah, shooting. Uh, my favorite scene, of <laughs> course. I know your favorite scene. My favorite scene is so in all of like zombie movies or in zombie shows like The Walking Dead, when the little girl turned into when the little girl turned into a zombie. When a little girl turned into a zombie. Lena, are you okay? Yeah, sorry, the cat attacked oh, everything. Cool. She she really wants to be a part of the show. Cool. Uh, so when the little girl turns into a zombie or like someone's mom turns into a zombie, everyone's like, oh, no, I can't do it. I can't shoot my own mom, my own kid. Not in this movie. Wasn't his kid. <laughs> <laughs> this guy turns around and instantly hip fires, blows this girl's head off. Like, and it's the most like gruesome like head explosion of all time. This poor orphan girl. <laughs> I have to admit that that was actually one of my. The, no. That was one of my favorite parts. Yeah. Oh, really? That was your favorite part? Oh, you guys yeah. <laughs> that was amazing. I love that movie. I just love, you know, Italian horror movies, they have this look about them, like this kind of weird feeling. You can tell, like, you know, the directors know what they're doing. Like, they know how to make a movie look weird. But then there's some sort of weird logic to it. Like, characters do weird things that don't really make any sense. 
And they say that's an, um, that's on purpose because they want it to be almost like a dream logic. You know, it's like when you're in a dream, you see a dark hallway, you don't want to go down it, but you go down it. It's kind of like one of those things. That's their kind of justification for characters doing things that they probably never should ever. So do you buy that or is that just an excuse for a bad movie? <laughs> I think it's that? just a bad written, <laughs> let's put all our time and money into tarantula farming. <laughs> anyway, all right. Good stuff, people. Good stuff. Lynette. Oh, it's like Chris is here. I know. I, I, <laughs> did you like that? little shout out. Love it. Love it. <laughs> All right, Lynette, what do you got for us? All right. My number one is because I'm a theater girl, true at heart. Um, I actually had the opportunity to go see Frozen this weekend at um, our local theater, Proctor's uh, in Schenectady. And it's starting the um, national tour. So uh, this was their first stop. They teched here with us uh, locally. So they actually have been in the area for, I think, a month or something like that. And it was interesting to me because I also got to see Frozen on Broadway. So I um, I know, Ben, you're a musical theater, really you're a theater guy. Yeah. Uh, uh, Bobby, I'm not sure how much experience you've had with this. But I found it interesting because... Uh, the national touring company I actually enjoyed much better than I did the Broadway cast that I saw. And I was contemplating whether or not it was because it was new to them. They had just gotten hired. Like, like I said, it's the first stop. So they came right from rehearsals in New York, tucked it here in Schenectady. Uh, they did two two and a half weeks of performances here and then they're out on the road. Um, and so like they were just kicking butt, taking names, happy to be there. Um, and when I saw frozen, it had been on, had been on Broadway for at least a year, if not maybe more. Um, and I think it was right before the original, the original Elsa and Anna were about to bounce. So, um, I was just wondering if you've ever had that experience where you're like, hmm, are they just tired of the musical or um, where you found the road people better? And also just to promote the heck out of it, because it was an amazing version of the show. And if you got little ones that love Frozen, it's a great time if you can get tickets, if it's coming to a city near you. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I've definitely experienced, uh, you know, backstage and uh, watching a show where, uh, you know, either they announce it in the playbook where it's this person's first show or, you know, I've seen a combination of union actors interacting with non-union actors where the people that are just starting out or maybe they're, you know, going for their shot are way better than the people that um, are seasoned professionals. And, you know, Lynette, it could be a number of things. It could be an off night. It could be whatever. It could be just, you know not enough energy or that's the end of their run, but I've definitely experienced that too, Lynette. Why, why do you think that this was better? Was it better singing, better acting, better production? What was it? Um, I mean, the, the actual play of Frozen as an adult, when you're watching it, it's like, all right, it's, I mean, it's a basic storyline, uh, especially if you've seen the movie, they don't, they don't stray a lot from the movie itself. Right. Um, and they do interject some new songs. Um, Technically speaking, uh, there's some really cool parts, but uh, it uses a lot of projection. Um, but it was the combination of all of it together. They got 
really strong actors um, to do the leads. Um, they made the characters their own without deviating too much from what the kids kind of expected. Um, and they were tight. Like, their dancing was tight. Their singing was tight. Like, I, I didn't hear a miss note. And some of those chords, we're talking like operatic, the hallelujah chorus, like each person in order to get like a 20 layer level, each person has to sing their own harmony kind of situation. Wow. wow. So um, it was um, it was just they they were tight. They were clean. Um, they were in it. And it was ju- you. I just honestly felt like I wasn't watching people performing a musical like I honest I know this sounds kind of cheesy as adult but I kind of felt I was watching Anna and Anna <laughs> <laughs> or Elsa awesome. and Anna I don't even know their names oh boy <laughs> Bobby you ever you ever experienced something like a live performance where uh, maybe or even like a local show that you went to go see and it was like better than like a professional kind of actor or professional performer or something like that well I've been to maybe three plays in my life uh, the most recent one was about two years ago, last year, at the uh, small little theater in Rome here. It was a high school-type uh, performance of Beauty and the Beast. And, nice. you know, for a high school-type thing, it was pretty damn amazing. Hmm. I'm not a big theater guy, but um, that was a great time. But the first one that I ever went to, it was in New York City. And I didn't really know what Broadway and all that stuff was, but I guess you would re- refer to it as an off-Broadway play of uh, a, sh- a movie that I loved before and uh, it was Chicago mm. and that was a huge production I mean in Beauty and the Beast when I went it was just you know a cardboard cutout of trees and stuff and in Chicago there was giant uh, structures that they built and rolled out and people were swinging and dancing and I, I don't know if I blinked the whole time but I'm not real big on theater like you guys are. Uh, I guess if there were more things like that, I, I probably would. Hmm. But oh, it, we just got to show you the right ones. Well, the right one, I think I watched the other night. Um, scrolling through before we even get to it. The Beyond? I, no. <laughs> better, <laughs> I better. <laughs> I was scrolling through YouTube, and there was a skit of Will Ferrell on there. And he was, uh, he was like a, a play director. And he brought out a list of people who made the show and who didn't. And there's a five-minute sketch of him drawing it out of who's in and who's out. And all the little high schoolers are, are on the edge of their seat if they made it or not. Now, that was entertaining, probably more than a, the play itself. Lynette, did you see that sketch? Yeah, I, uh, I'm a little behind on my SNL. Oh, my God. It's on YouTube. You got to see it. And it's he, you know, they're waiting for the cast list to go up. And there's so okay. many stereotypes. Lynette, like, uh, I don't think I laughed a lot because it hit so close to home. <laughs> you were like, this is my life. <laughs> yeah, that's me. And I know this person. I know this person. I know the director. And he would, like, torture kids, like, waiting for the, you know, the thing to come out. It was ridiculous. <laughs> so it wasn't like the Lin-Manuel Miranda, the uh, the rap about being at the uh, the cast the cast party? No, this was, no, this was, like, a, just a... a a day in the life of a theater person waiting for their cast list to come up. And it was, Oh my God. And the director torturing them. It was, that was fabulous. Uh, (laughs) All right, Bobby, what do you got for your number one this week, baby? 
Well, when I come up with my lists, I, I try to have a theme. And I like to have one story of entertainment, one story uh, that might keep you on your toes, and one story that I inform people of things they may not know. So the first one I have is just the, the entertainment story. And it is about the world of the DC universe. And I know Ben's not a big fan. Probably a, a lot of people aren't. And some people are diehard fans. Uh, Lynette, do you like uh, DC Depending in general? on what we're talking about. Uh, comic books? Or yeah, the books? comics. Movies. Uh, yeah. I like the, the Justice League Unlimited, like the cartoon series. I like the some of the movies. I don't like the current run I don't think they know what they're doing, but my favorite, my favorite comic book character of all time is Hawkgirl, so she's DC. So yeah, I tend to be more of a Marvel girl though. Well, they they were doing it came out with a little list of, uh, uh, I guess it's a distant thought process of what they want to do movie wise, mm. and I came up with uh, this little story because they well first of all, twenty twenty one that's the new. Matt Reeves Batman movie coming out and is starring Robert Pattinson. And I know Ben watched a movie with him last week. I watched one with him the other night called High Life, uh, him in space. And the movie was so so, but I'm I'm a big fan of him now. Yeah. I, I think he's pretty good. Have so you guys... I'm, yeah, I'm I'm eager to see what he's gonna what he's gonna do with this. And you know, he's they're getting a better and better cast with Jeffrey Wright, Andy Circus, Zoe Kravitz. And so when they signed on, they put a little thing in their contract that says that they can possibly do spinoffs and sequels. So they might have some some spinoffs of uh, the the uh, who's the uh, who's the one always Batman reports to on top of the roofs. Commissioner Gordon. Commissioner Gordon. Yeah. So they could have spinoffs of him. So who knows? And then Isn't they that said Gotham. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they're gonna have uh, Aquaman two, same director James Wan. Uh, that they said their priority was the Green Lantern movie. They said that is high up on their list. And they also said Michael B. Jordan was possibly interested in something Superman-related. So would you guys watch a new Superman movie with Michael B. Jordan and maybe a a decent-known director? Uh, All right. I'm jumping in on this. I'm jumping really quick. Okay, I got it. Fast, hard, dirty take. Okay, ready? Uh, Aquaman 2 needs to go. They need to clean the slate. They just need to clean the whole dock. Like, clean the decks. I mean, Jason Momoa, like, I like him, but that included Batman, uh, Ben Affleck Batman. They got to clean the dock. (laughs) Clean it all out. Because uh, what's going on is you have Zack Snyder behind the scenes, and he's leaking all these, like, photos of... uh, The Snyder Cut? The Snyder Cut of Justice League. And he's leaking all these photos of um, Willem Dafoe inside Mm. of the Justice League and stuff. And and that needs to die as quick as possible. Like, they need to kill that so fast, and they need to reboot everything. They really... Uh, Here's my thing, though. There's two people on that list that would not boot out, and Jason Momoa is one of them. I think if he's willing to work with a different director and a different production team, I would keep Jason Momoa on as Aquaman. I'd also keep Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. I really enjoyed her as that. But I think you're right. I think the background stuff, the directors, the writers, producers, all that other crap needs to go. 
I think they're, but I think they're tainted. Like moving forward, if you're going to create an um, a cinematic universe, just like the MCU, like where everything is canon, even like you know, um, hap, you know, Happy Iron Man's bodyguard from the first movie, John Favreau, he's canon and he's following. He's following. He's he actually might have a longer run in the movies than Iron Man himself. You know, helping out Peter Parker. That's what makes those movies special is like even these side characters that were like way back. Even the kid in Iron Man 3 is at, at uh, Tony Stark's funeral. Uh, like all these old side – that's what makes these movies special. If you're uh, – you got to cut everything because if, if Jason Momoa is, is Aquaman and a new Batman rolls up or a new Flash rolls up, your whole canon is going to be wacky doodle. I think there's ways to, if you have people who are creative enough and can figure out a way to write it, I think, I think it still can, I think it still can be done. Especially, especially if you're talking, it's going to be harder with Superman, but it would be easy to do with Batman, I think. Easier to do with Batman. Well, do you think there's going to be anything that's going to tie more things together when the, um, the Birds of Prey Harley Quinn movie comes out or when the. The new, uh, what what's that team? Uh, Suicide Squad. Yeah. When they come out, mm. you think there's going to be some ties that get people interested just in time for maybe a, a Green Lantern preview, possibly. Oh, that's what I wanted to say. The Green Lantern. I'd be more excited to see Michael B. Jordan play the Green Lantern yeah. than I would be to see him play Superman. Yeah, actually, that's where I thought you were going. Actually, mm, no, no, it was Superman related. Yeah, and no. they said possibly. Having the director of J.J. Uh, Abrams do one of these as well, which I'm a big fan of. I, I like his his style. Mm, I I'm over. Just agree Superman. with me, Lynette. We'll move on. No, never. <laughs> no way. No. Uh, I am over Superman in general. So I am Why not the that? person. Why is that? Why is that? I just he's. So you know when you was take it those... the mustache? What? No, I. He's it was too... the mustache for me. He's too goody goody for the most part, honestly. So this might be controversial. Then we'll see how you feel about this. Yeah, yeah. we got one of the reasons why I liked Man of Steel was because he actually got dirty and grimy, and he had like this. He had this decision to make where he finally had to kill somebody, and it made him more dynamic to me. And um, I. Because every time he's represented, I feel like he's represented as this, as this guy with these these overwhelmingly high moral standards that no – and I mean I know he's an alien and he's got super strength that nobody when faced with a particular enemy could ever even – like he's still got to have the quandaries to make him – likable to me and he never he never seemed to have that so well, i was so never they, yeah they said that about batman and he came out with uh the batman movie and he was blowing up trucks with people in it so he had a bad side right which is but i feel like batman's always well unless you're looking at the 1966 batman um I feel like Batman, at least the Batman I've always known, has always had that dark. There's always been that possibility he could take it too far. But right. like most, Charles Bronson in Death Wish is like vigilante <laughs> justice kind of thing. Right. 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 Um, and so with Superman, I've always felt he's he's been this moral compass that he he's never he never wavers on his morality. And I don't like I don't like that for storyline. So I'm I was always over him. So when 
Man of Steel came out and he was like, I, the only way I'm going to win this is to kill him. And can I handle that? And not only can I handle killing him, but the aftermath of what I would feel like, like that to me was a more compelling story. And then they were just like, now nah, we're going to forget about it and do our own thing again. And it's, I was just like, all right, I'm done. I can't invest any more time in Superman. So that's when I gave up on Superman. Well, have you guys watched Brightburn? Oh, no, not yet, but I do want to see that. Oh. See, so I'm well, not I would like your takes on that. Right. That's like evil all right. Superman. All right. all right, all right. Well, you know what? And, and Michael B. Jordan, I like him, but he was in a terrible Fantastic Four movie that I slogged <laughs> through. That was terrible. That was um, pretty bad. So, so bad. yeah, he was terrible, but he's uh, Killmonger. So, love that. But if there's going to be another black Superman, uh, just bring back Shaq, because the movie Steel is great. So... <laughs> That's the only but take you got. If you're gonna if you're gonna say that about Marvel and, and DC swapping back around, you can't uh you got Zoe Kravitz. Um Zoe Kravitz was in the X-Men series, and then didn't she wasn't she just in a Marvel and now we're talking she about her X-Men. Yeah, but wasn't she in another Marvel movie? No, or who was she in movie? X-Men? Oh, she was the the dragonfly lady in the first class. Oh, those terrible movies. Wow. She could spit fireballs. Don't get me start. I like those movies. But Lynette, you gotta you gotta realize those are Fox properties. Those aren't Disney oh, right, MCU. Right. But you're just, just like the awful M- Michael B. Jordan Fantastic Four. He's Killmonger. He might be part I, I forget is he the human torch in the Fantastic Four? Yeah. But it doesn't count. It's a Fox property. Well, I'm just saying though, like we've seen it. There's people that have crossed over multiple times in different universes to get a paycheck. It's not I mean, all right, I here we go. Ryan Reynolds, Green Lantern, even though it was a crappy movie, but he's like also that. Deadpool. Well, like, no, but I'm I'm you're talking about crossing over in the uh, same universe. No. I'm talking about if you have a new Batman and Affleck was already the Batman in this universe, you're recasting someone inside the universe, and that is dangerous territory. Where like the Hulk with Edward Norton might be canon. But it, he doesn't really interact with anyone inside the MCU, so it's kind of canon. Well, no, 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 I'm talking about two different lines. Right, that's true. There is two different, two different th- thoughts going there, and somehow they got mumbled together in your brain. <laughs> what? So I was saying, because there was a talk about Zoe Kravitz being in Birds of Prey, and I was like, that would be interesting because she was already, meaning she was already in the Marvel universe just as X-Men, even though it was Fox property. Right. But she was people like general people like me would be like, oh, wasn't she already an X-Men? Like, that's how they'd think about it. They yeah, won't. So when you say Marvel Universe, that doesn't count the Fox properties. Deadpool is not in the MCU yet. Just the 24 movies inside the Disney made MCU. OK. And I'm telling you that as a person on the on the main street who's not super into it, they don't necessarily all see it that way. To them, it's a Marvel character. It's it's Marvel. Like, does that make sense? Like, to no. people who aren't in- <laughs> <laughs> No, dude. No. Fox movies are terrible, except for Deadpool. And they might bring him into the MCU, but it's going to be a tough one to bring in. Okay. We will agree to disagree. I'm just letting you know that if there are people out there that aren't as entrenched in all of the entertainment world stuff like we are, there are people out there that just... I'll see they're like, oh, it's a Marvel character. That's how they look at it. Not necessarily Marvel oh, Universe, so, Marvel. So what you're saying is Miles Morales is Peter Parker? He's all they're one and the same. 
I'm saying that they will say that as a, they will see that as a, you're, oh my God, you're so mad right same now. Same character, huh? They're just Spider-Man? No, not same character. Oh, they are same they're different? Marvel. Oh. They're just Marvel. Does that make sense? Mm, they're going to make Lynette leave. <laughs> my head is about to explode. All right. Let's agree to disagree. All right, All right. we're moving on. We're going to get to some better and more intriguing uh, superhero storylines because mm. DC doesn't know what they're doing. <laughs> but let's talk about a DC property that does know what it's doing. Let's talk about The Watchmen. The show The Watchmen aired its, I believe, its sixth episode. Um, and uh, people around the internet are saying the last episode of The Watchmen possibly might have one of the greatest origin stories of a superhero ever. <laughs> It's pretty powerful. I'll admit that. Yeah. Um, so I've always loved the Watchmen. Um, and so for those who are, of you who are not nerds about the original comic, really short storyline, really short uh, comic book run that just ran like, I think it's like 16 chapters, you know, one and done, boom. And what it did was, you know, take uh, superheroes and put them in the real world. What if superheroes came out post-World War II? You know, you have the world pretty much as you know it, and then post-World War II, they started cleaning out the streets. They started joining the CIA and the FBI and won us the Vietnam War, and Nixon held office for five terms and then was replaced by uh, President Robert Redford. <laughs> Is that like the actor? Yeah, <laughs> like Ronald Reagan. Yeah, so blew my mind. So, you know, it took something like um, – superheroism like where you know they can't do any wrong and put them inside of bad marriages and uh awkward sex scenes and all those things and episode six for me of this show really showed us what this show is capable of really showed us kind of you know it had real story arcs it had racism in america and it had like post world war ii kind of um cold war um, personal politics in the streets and, and, you know, kind of rednecks running the roost and, and the clan being sub like subverts of like society and having these kind of pseudo superheroes. And then at the same time, you had the superhero rising up for justice, but then being co-opted by, uh, uh, white culture <laughs> and and like you know you had this black superhero who is standing up for what he believes in injustice and having him kind of whitewashed in uh the 1950s america and it was really interesting you had a a, a true gay storyline inside this thing that was just really amazing uh, bobby what were your thoughts mm -hmm. on the watchman i know you were kind of wavering as far as episode two three but how do you feel after um, Sunday's episode? It it was kind of beyond just a just an episode of a show. I mean, it was. If anybody hasn't seen The Watchmen, um, it, there's a lot of uh, you know black versus white, and you know the 40s and 50s, and so this character who's a black police officer who gets uh, mistreated by his white coworkers, uh, very terrible ways. Um, he goes beyond trying to get revenge and he dons uh, a mask through a certain couple circumstances that just are unbelievable. And so he fights crime and then takes the mask off. And then he's again, the black police officer that's getting, you know, things thrown at him, things said to him, things done to him on the streets while he's trying to protect those people. 
and it just it just went beyond a television episode and it was uh it, it was more of like a um oh man i don't even, i don't even i don't even have a word to kind of describe the the things that he went through um it, it was pretty amazing I, I'll, I'll say that he, he was i'm sure that's you know not to the extent of putting on masks and fighting but i'm sure a lot of that is pretty true um of what really happened to a, a lot of people back in the day. Yeah, it, it got a sense it represented something. It was really cool. Lynette, did you watch last Sunday's, this Sunday's episode? I have not. Oh, okay. <laughs> what are your thoughts on the show so far? Uh, it's interesting that actually you bring it up because I was just talking to a coworker today about how so far, like, yeah, I'll watch it if I don't have anything better to watch. And I know that sounds crazy because, like, the first episode I was down with. And then I'm just like, all right, it's okay. I'm not super excited about it. So now that you talk about this episode, hopefully it'll it'll be like, oh, no, okay, now I'm in it. I'm definitely down. Yeah, there's a lot of black versus white uh, storyline going on. And it was a little hard to, to sit through and to get through. And then they throw other parts of the story, like uh, Jeremy Irons and some weird... Uh, reserve that he stuck on that was yeah. interesting yeah. and then a little more black versus white and it was like oh, okay okay but this last episode it, it really picked up why they were shown the racism back in the days and and it, it this is probably my favorite episode so far of maybe a a, a show that i've watched in a long time yeah. too it was, I know. it was pretty damn good yeah it was pretty cinematic i mean it was it was almost like watching a mini movie i mean it was a mini movie and uh until this episode you didn't really understand the casting of Lewis Gossett Jr. Like, and I was like, oh, it's kind of a cool throwback. He hasn't been in something in so long, you know. And, uh, you know, when I saw the panel at um, Comic-Con, uh, you know, he's got to be close to late 70s, early 80s at least, you know. And I was like, oh, it's such an interesting cast. You know, why not cast someone younger? But after this episode, you understand why he has oh, yeah. to be so old and why he is a perfect cast for this character. And... You know, it's probably one of the greatest reveals, like I can remember in a long time, of uh, of the beginning and why Don Johnson was strung up in the first episode. Um, so, so I, I find it I find it interesting that you say that it wasn't obvious to you why Luz Gossett Jr. was hired, because um, I knew as soon as they did, because the the bombing of Tulsa was in the first episode. Right. Mm -hmm. So like as soon as they introduced that little boy, I was like, oh, that's Lou Gossett Jr. <laughs> I was like, that's what uh, he's going to he's going to grow up <laughs> like. So mm -hmm. in order to do the math, I was like, he's got to be 80 years old. Well, he's 110. Right. Well, OK. So in theory, but like, you know, <laughs> but what it I mean. was, but but like it you... was this episode really pulled it together. I mean, okay. his acting and everything. I mean. I was questioning just the actual casting of him, not not the actual age of him, just the actual why did they cast a man like that who hasn't been in something for so long? I was like, I don't know if he can do this. And then this last episode, I was all in. He was just he took command of that performance uh, towards the end. And, uh, and we're not going to spoil it for you, Lynette, but so stick with the show and people out there stick with the show. Hopefully we haven't spoiled too much. But this last episode introduced so much and hopefully tied together the show. And what's going on kind of in a way that was like not obvious, you know, I, I think, you know, I was kind of waiting for uh, Dr. Manhattan to show up or something like that. But 
that was unnecessary after last night's episode. Yeah. I'm I'm all in. It was a series turner. Yeah, it really was. You're telling me that you didn't know that this man could act after Enemy of Mine in 1985, where Lou Gossett Jr. played an amazing alien against Dennis Quaid? Well, I mean, I know Louis Gossett Jr. from Digstown, one of my favorite movies of all time. I know time. him from uh, Iron Eagle. <laughs> yeah, and Firewalker with Chuck Norris. I mean, everyone knows Louis Gossett Jr., but uh, I, I was curious about the type of actor they wanted, mm. the kind of take action Louis Gossett. You know what I mean? And uh, the end of last episode, when he took action, it was great. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, Lin- go Lin- watch it, Lynette. Go watch it, Lynette. Uh, number two, Lynette, what you got? Hold, please. I forgot my list. Where'd it go? There it is. Oh, oh, this is the reason why I couldn't watch The Watchmen this week. (laughs) So Netflix launched on November 17th. It's third season of The Crown. Um, And we have an older, more wiser Queen Elizabeth of England. And I just absorbed all 10 episodes as fast as my little eyes could watch. In a day? Pretty much. I that I like put everything else aside. I was like, um, nope, I'm first episode. I'm in. And it was interesting because the, did you did you guys watch the first two seasons at all? I watched uh, half the first season. And okay. I did not know there were three seasons. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, I feel like the first two seasons are fast paced because you have the young queen. She's not right. quite queen yet. Like you're got like zing, zing, zing. You're she's still figuring out her marriage. Um, and so it's like pretty fast paced and they, they fit a lot in to that time. And then the second, the third season comes and we, we meet, like I said, an older, wiser queen. And the first thing that I was absolutely amazed about is that the showrunners were able to uniformly slow down the pace of the show without slowing down the action. And I thought that was effing phenomenal. Um, That's interesting. That's really interesting. Yeah, and the the things that they chose the um, the things that they chose to put into the the crises and things that she deals with that they chose to put into the season were absolutely um, heartbreaking and maddening and inspiring. It it was just it was like. All of these things that, one, I had no clue about in English history. I was just like, oh, that happened. Because I realized that I feel like I don't know much about England after the World War II. Like, I kind of lost English history until Princess Diana came on board again. Which queen is this? This is Queen Elizabeth II. Elizabeth II. Uh, yeah, so Charles, Charles's mother, William, William and Henry's grandmother. The queen. current queen. Yeah, current Elizabeth. queen, yeah. yes. Huh. Your queen. My, my queen. My queen. I don't want the throne. <laughs> You're my queen. Um, and it's interesting because it also launches off. Um, it it focuses a little bit more on Charles and how Charles grows up, and and you're just like, oh, that poor schmuck. He's just he's got a raw end of the deal. <laughs> well, it's that's really interesting, Lynette. You know, just my understanding of. TV writing, it sounds like you have a kind of head of the show. You know what I mean? Uh, Call it your Kurt Sutter or Kevin Feige, someone that's Mm -hmm. kind of in charge of it. And then you have a room full of writers. So just to collectively slow down a show or slow down the tone of the show is quite a feat. And that's what you're saying. Yeah. Well, I think that's the difference between English 
television and American, it, I mean, beyond a lot of different other things. But the one thing is, is that they have beyond the producer, they have a showrunner. Um, and just like the Marvel, the Marvel Cinema Universe, uh, it's that person that is supposed to be keeping that collective vision and keeping the show having a certain pace. So it doesn't matter. I mean, it does matter because obviously you want the best writers and the best directors, but it doesn't, you can have these people come in and kind of do their viewpoint, but there's still somebody keeping the integrity of the show. And that's also easier because they also do uh, less episodes. There's only 10 episodes in the season. Right. And that's something that uh, British uh, TV has been doing for a while. You know how like American Horror Story is a new thing to us or that, you know, the one season and done that kind of episodic TV where it's like one storyline and then we rehired the British television has been doing that for a long time. Right. Right. Um, and so they, but this, this, the, I mean, and then the, the set pieces and the cut, co- I mean, I talked about this with Catherine the great, I'm a sucker for historically accurate costumes and settings. It's like, that's like my thing. Um, and so the fact that they are still historically accurate and, um, the only thing I don't like about it is I figured out, I did the math, the queen is supposed to be 38 when the season starts. And I'm like, wait a minute, she's supposed to be four years younger than me, and she looks 10 years older than me? <laughs> I was like, no! I, wa- I wanted to, like, just, I was like, what is wrong with you people? Why don't you understand how women age? <laughs> well, I've never watched... Uh, many movies on the Queen or old English history dramas. Oh, right? don't, don't say that. Don't say that. You've, you've watched uh, In Our Darkest Hour. You watched that? I have not watched that. Oh, you've well. watched it like twice. <laughs> yeah, screw you. Then. Yeah. So I don't have, uh, I haven't watched many movies except one of my favorites is actually an old English drama with no action and maybe the, the slowest movie I've watched, uh, The King's Speech. Oh. Now, that movie was fantastic. That's a great movie. But I would like a different take on the Queen. I would like a current movie of the Queen dealing with struggles of trying to figure out things like how Twitter works. Or how many seasons can she binge in a weekend of the Jersey Shore? Well, we're getting there. See, that's what I... Once they get to 20... Season 15. Seven, season 7. You'll be right. <laughs> yeah, if they skip a couple decades, I am all in. <laughs> all right. All right. Excellent. Thanks, Lynette. All right. Bobby, you up. What's right. your number two? So, have you ever guys watched that uh, the great little documentary on Netflix called Euro Dreams of Sushi? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lynette? No. <laughs> and I've seen, I've seen uh, that and the spinoff on Documentary Now, too. What was that one? Uh, it was about this guy making uh, chicken, beans, and rice in like the Andes Mountains, and he has to like, climb and get a chicken. It's Fred Armisen. It's great. Anyway, oh, so, Jesus. I thought it was like a real story. <laughs> no, it is a real. No, no, this is a real story. This is a real story. That was a parody. Oh, yeah. Good. Wait, that are you talking about documentary good. now? Yeah, yeah, of course. Oh, yeah, yeah. They have to go find the chicken. They name the chicken. And, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. They kill yes. it. Well, no, he he like he like. Puts it to bed, or I don't know, it's, but it's making fun of Hero Dreams of Sushi. That's oh, so, Lynette, okay. that's that's based okay. on this real documentary movie. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's about this old man, 70s probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has a little sushi shop in 
It's like on the way to one of the subways in Japan, yeah. something like that. Yeah, it's in a subway stop. Yeah. Yeah. So the place only holds 10 people, but you cannot walk in. And so he's in the news today because he normally gets these Michelin. Um, they come out with, it's like a fine dining. Michelin yeah, the stars. Star. Yeah, the stars. Yeah. 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 So he nor- they normally get three every year until this year. Uh, they can. They are no longer eligible to get any more stars because they don't take reservations. Oh. I guess that's one of the requirements to being able to get those stars. No reservations. And so you may ask, how do you get in there? And they have to. Uh, they have to either be invited, <laughs> be a regular have some connections or through the concierge at one of the highest hotels in the area. And wow. yeah, their average plate starts at about, take a guess how much, what they start at. So wait, wait, wait. So plate, is this like a sushi roll? What, what is this? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to say a hundred a roll. I'm going to go 159. What do you got? Combine those and add another hundred. <laughs> they start at. Damn. Okay. Are they coated in gold? Well, probably gold leaf. Well, you guys ask why they're so expensive. So I did a deep dive and I did a little research on the tuna that they find in the area. And so, yeah, a lot of people say, why is it so expensive? You know, we got tuna in a can here for Mm -hmm. two bucks. Well, that tuna is albacore tuna. Do you know what the tuna is that they use for sushi rolls? Bluefin. Good call. So bluefin, uh, it goes anywhere from $40 a pound to $200 a pound. And say a gigantic tuna. How many sushi pieces do you think you can get from a giant tuna? I'm going to say five rolls. I'm going to say. How many pieces? Pieces of like like slices. I'm going to go like 500. No, I I would say less than that. I would say about 100. 12,000. Oh, that's how big these bluefin tuna yeah. are. Well, you ever watched you ever watched uh, Wicked Wicked Tuna? You ever seen that show? I've seen the boat show. Yeah, yeah, that's what they're catching bluefin tuna. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, this is a gigantic one of those. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In all Japan. right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, all right, I got another one. Bluefin tuna, the most expensive one ever sold. So before we get to that, yeah. <laughs> You got the east eastern coast of the U.S. East coast, east side, <laughs> east coast. <laughs> so they get their tuna. They they go out and they they you know like your show. They go yeah. out in a boat and they get them. Yeah. And then they bring them to I don't know. A weighing station. Yeah, somewhere on the, the shore, and then it gets sent to the stores. So they're kind of cheap. In China, they go out and they catch them. Then they bring them to auction, and then they go to other businesses, and then it goes through so many different hands. So the price alone from those gets jacked up, but they produce their, or they, um, yeah, they produce their, their bluefin tunas a lot more intricate than we do here. So the taste and everything about them is so much better. So the biggest bluefin tuna at 612 pounds, guess how much that took at auction? I'm going to go 124,000. 
Did you just literally do the math of two hundred a pound times the six hundred and whatever oh, pounds? Oh, or albacore uh, is two dollars. Lynette, Lynette oh. I'm a, a theater major. I don't mean me not do math. <laughs> you do math. Uh, I'm gonna go with a quarter million. Ooh. Oh. Combine those and multiply it because <laughs> it is three million dollars. The most expensive bluefin tuna went. Because the ones at the beginning of the year always go for more than through the end of the year because everyone wants that first tuna. So they can go sell it at auction and and they they just make a killing. So wait a minute. How so we're talking about fresh fish and let's be real, nobody wants to walk into a sushi bar and have it smell and reek of fish. So and you're telling me that it goes through so many hands before it even gets to auction. Or it gets to auction and then it goes through so many. Either way, it's going through too many hands. So this grubby little fish has gotten all these little hands on it. How is it still fresh? How? Well, what is the turner? Oh, uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. What kind of freezer space do you need for a 600-pound tuna? Well, that was the biggest one. That's probably on a train. Freezer car. Yep, quite possibly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I-, I would assume that most of it sold right near the coast. And then it gets a little more expensive the further away from it. Well, Avi. Yeah. Obby. I know, I know, I know, I know how fish markets work. <laughs> I was once an aspiring fishmonger and then I switched to cheese. Ooh. Oh, you I were like a fish snob? You were a fish snob? Yeah, no, never. No, I'd always be a cheesemonger. <gasps> Can you imagine if you were a cheesemonger and a wine sommelier? <gasps> that store would be amazing. Oh, Sorry, having daydreams. <laughs> anyway, Lynette dreams of cheese and wine. That's a great. That's a cap. That's a recap joke. That was really good. That's what you could call back. That's what we call callback in the biz. All right. Uh, so for my number three, I want to hit some big stories of the week. Um, and so next week coming out, we have a movie dropping, The Irishman, Scorsese movie. Scorsese is getting up at age. Um, probably one of his last films. To be coming out ever. You know, something I said about David Lynch when he dropped the uh, return of Twin Peaks. So we are running out of these directors that are, you know, these kind of old school directors from like the early 70s. uh, From the new kind of school. um, New branch of the early 70s Hollywood. Uh, You know, the Scorsese, Spielberg and um, Lucas and... uh, you know, uh, Francis Ford Coppola, we're running out of these guys and they're getting up in age. But uh, on The Ringer today, they had a great article called The Unreasonable Brilliance of Joe Pesci. And the whole article was about Joe Pesci, not about De Niro, not about Pacino, about Joe Pesci, who was coming back to the screen after 20 years of not being on the screen of a self-imposed retirement. Not to say that the roles probably weren't there. He was asked a ton of times to come back, and he turned down a ton. So uh, my question to you, we'll start with you, Lynette. Are you excited for The Irishman, and what is your favorite Joe Pesci role? Ooh. Hmm. Yes, I'm excited for The Irishman because I miss good mob movies. I nice. love those. I love those good old mob movies. They, that's probably my favorite genre movie, actually. Good um, call. Good call. Yeah, you know what? Someone actually today at my work made a Bronx Tale reference. <laughs> it was amazing. So that's awesome. Um, 
Now, Joe Pesci, favorite role. Favorite role. Just the Pesci. That's why I love this article. And so I I implore everyone to go out and read this article because it was great. Because a lot of our time, when you're talking about Goodfellas or, you know, uh, Casino or Raging Bull, of course, you're on De Niro or or, uh, Ray Liotta. Uh, And, you know, barely do we talk about Pesci, who is sitting in the cut, Scotty Pippen of Michael Jordan. And he is just switching it right and left, and he is going like both both ways. He is just nailing it. So, what is your favorite Joe Pesci role, Lynette? I'm gonna have to say Home Alone. Oh, you know what? Good good call. Uh, Deacon was just quoting that today because in this article, what was great about this article, there aren't a lot of Joe Pesci movies. I think yeah. between the three of us, we've probably seen them all, including like eight eight heads in a duffel bag or something like that. I haven't even seen that one. There are very minimal. Six or seven? No, there's maybe, 40. There's 40 Pesci rolls? Yeah. I'm looking right. on IMDb.com right now. What's the most obscure one? Uh, there's probably some like old. Go like post Raging Bull. Okay. Like 1980. Yeah, go post 1980. Uh, Eureka? All right. All right. I've never I've never heard you of that me. one. Stump me. Okay. Uh, oh, I forgot he was in Once Upon a Time in America. Oh, oh he is. Oh, yeah. He is. Yeah, he totally is. Yeah. Uh, Man on Fire. Oh my gosh, he was in Moonwalker with Michael wait. Jackson. Wait, 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 wait. Oh yeah, of course he is. He's the back. He's in Moonwalker, the video game too. Oh yeah. <laughs> of course. No wait, he's in Man on Fire with. Uh, that can't be the Denzel one. Denzel. Uh, hold, please. No, 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 no. It's a different one. Oh, okay. I was like, geez, I, I think I had to remember in that one. <laughs> it, it looks like it's Scott Glenn, Jade Malley, Brooke Adams. It, uh, oh, Jonathan Price. Um, I, I love me Danny some Scott Glenn. <laughs> Yo, I'm signing me up for this movie. I'm all in. Scott Glenn, the bad guy in uh, Man, Urban right. Cowboy. Love do you that. want me to read you the, the synopsis or, or do you want to keep moving? No, no. Let's hear this. Man okay. on fire. The other man on fire. Let's the hear other it. man on fire. Man <laughs> on fire. Man on fire. A former CIA agent, agent, CIA agent, Johnny Creasy, is hired as a bodyguard for a girl in Italy who becomes the daughter he never had. When she is abducted, Creasy's fiery rage is unleashed. Oh. Oh. And despite being badly wounded, embarks on a bloody ramp, uh, revenge spree. So it is the same movie. movie. Same same movie. movie. Same names, too. Whoa. Oh, who knew that was a remake? 1987. Wow. That's the Pesci one. I got to check that out. Yeah. Nice. Nice. So, Lynette, you're going with uh, Marv, I believe, from the Wet Bandits. Marv. (laughs) Harry. Oh, Harry. Harry. Marv is the other guy. Marv's the other guy. I'm coming up, Harry. Uh, uh, Bobby, so are you excited for the Irishman? And what's your favorite Pesci role? I'm I'm excited, uh, but not overly excited. Oh, cautious! You're cautious. Yeah. Okay. It's been a while since you know. What was the last Scorsese movie? What's the one with the priest? The priest in Japan. What's that? One? Oh, that was his movie. Yeah. All right, that was a downer. Yeah. Uh, silence. Yeah. Three hours of basically silence. And then Shutter Island. Oh no, Wolf of Wall Street. Wolf. Okay. Yeah. Wolf. Yeah. You can't beat that one. <laughs> and then, and then he did the. Oh, recently he did the Bob Dylan documentary that came out this year on Netflix. Yeah, you watched that one. Yeah, it was freaking awesome. So I like him back when he was doing the mob movies because that's how I got him. I watched Goodfellas. I watched Casino back to back on the same day. 
and there was well there was a lot of deaths in those movies for me that made me remember those but pesci uh i mean ben and i still quote that as go get your shine box get your shine box everyone quotes that yeah <laughs> uh so you know those are original type movies and he didn't know what was coming this one kind of follows you know a story of the jimmy hoffa um, so you kind of know what's going on, but I'm sure there's a lot that you won't know what's going on. So you're scared. So you're scared. So what you're saying is you're scared. It's going to be predictable. Um, I would just rather not know anything that's going to happen. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So that's why I'm looking forward to it, but I'm a little cautious of it. And everyone's getting a little older and the, the, the CGI making him younger. It's kind of getting used, uh, a little too much. Gotcha. Um, you know, they probably need it for this one to show his lifespan. I just hope it doesn't distract me from watching a good movie and a good Pesci movie. Well, there's two things. He's in a great joke and he's in a great movie and you you can't beat home alone. Either Mm -hmm. one. Mm -hmm. I mean, they play those every year around Christmas for a reason. They're, they're fantastic. They're almost a perfect movie. Home Alone, that might be a perfect movie. Besides never knowing the business of the father, what, what he's into. But they say he's into the mob as well. Uh, yeah, that or he's, <laughs> he, he traffics, he he's the, money launders for the uh, the cartels. That's right. That's why the, the bank robbers are, or the robbers are after his house. Yeah. <laughs> so there was a uh, George Carlin stand-up. And, you know, he's pretty diverse and opinionated. So he was talking about how God doesn't exist. And he can't see him, but you got to believe in him. He says, you know what? I'm not going to pray to God. You know who I'm going to pray to? Joe Pesci. <laughs> I, I know he exists. I like his point of views. Seems like a good guy. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go pray to Joe Pesci. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's a good bit. <laughs> <laughs> so, you went, so you went with uh, Harry and... Harry and, and Marv. Wow. The Wet and Sticky Bandits. The Wet, wet and Sticky Bandits. Yeah. Daniel Stern and Joe Pesci. I don't want to see Joe Pesci getting... Baseballed into a hole in the oh, that's my best. That's that's the best. Um, or go get made at some oh, abandoned house. Oh no. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, so guys, you're overlooking a couple things. Yes, I am very excited for the Irishman. I I am overly excited, and we're gonna be watching that this Sunday, right here. Better be Casa Frawley. We're gonna be watching that this Sunday, and um, you guys, you guys, overlooked. A very important movie that still holds up to this day. And that movie is My Cousin Vinny. Joe Pesci. That was the obvious choice, though. Oh, all right. But Joe (laughs) Pesci, you see a little drama. You see a little comedy. That man can flex both. And do you guys know where uh, Joe Pesci and Frank Vincent were found? Uh, Do you know who Frank Vincent is? Utica. (laughs) <laughs> no. So no. Frank Vincent is the white-haired gentleman that him and Pesci always face off in Casino, Raging Bull, Goodfellas. Shinebox. Shinebox, Billy Bats. Ah. Um, so they found him. Scorsese found them at one of those, like, uh, you know, Gino and Tina's weddings. Like, one of those fake kind of improv theater things where, like, it's like the fake Italian uh, mm-hmm. people getting married. And he um, found these two just fighting each other and put them in Raging Bull. And from there, they always kill each other or they always, like, beat on each other in every single movie. It's so great. Like, I think in Raging Bull, uh, Pesci slams Frank Vincent's head into a car door. <laughs> and then, but he gets his yeah. comeuppance and he, he kills Billy Bats, stabs him in the trunk. Yeah. Uh, but um, 
Oh, okay. so he's he's uh yeah. he's uh Kevin his Kevin to his to his Harry. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. And but then yeah. of course in casino he gets his in the cornfield it's all over. Frank Vincent <laughs> takes care of business. Is he still alive? Frank Vincent? Yeah. Oh yeah. And he was in uh Sopranos too, so mm. he might be in Oh, Frank Vincent? Oh. I'm a little bit curious. A little bit. Cautious. (laughs) I'm a little bit cautious. All right. So, Lynette, what is your number three? My number three is actually a little thing that I found. Oh, that dude. Sorry. I just looked up Frank Vincent, so I had a face to the name. Um, (laughs) Yeah, you know that dude. (laughs) I know that dude. Uh, he's been to the racetrack a couple of times in Saratoga. Yeah, yeah, it's my birthday. We're just busting balls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anywho, so my number three is going to be a little thing. I got a, I got a on one of my Facebook frenzy things. It was like, oh, you should follow, you should follow this YouTube series. And I was like, all right, whatever. But then I looked into it, and it's called Juju, and it is about black witches in New York City. Um, and it is an independently uh, done show. So the the person writes it, directs it, stars in it, got her friends in it. Um, and they're all actually black witches, like actual actual Wiccan or um, uh, voodoo, Haitian, like all of that stuff. Like, and it's really, I've watched one episode. Acting is a little rough at times. However, I'm starting to like the storylines. It's like the... Um, so it's a dramatic series. It's like a dramatic comedy series. Hmm. Um, they're witches and they're acting as witches? Yeah. So they're, it's, it's four witches written by witches who happen to be black. Witch, please. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, so I watched the first episode. It's like 22 minutes long. I'm excited to watch the next episode. Um, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Did you say... <laughs> Four witches by witches? You mean four boar? Four boar. <laughs> I got a hoodie of theirs. I got four boar's shoes on right now. <laughs> I didn't know I had to be a witch. You're I know I had to be a witch to wear these shoes. You're being a witch right now. Let me talk to you. <laughs> um, yeah, so as somebody who used to dabble in the uh, the occult, it's kind of intriguing to see how You're this You're talking about out. yourself? Mm, yes. Oh, that's why you like it. <laughs> Self-promoting. Uh, no, but it's really, it's really kind of intriguing and it's nice to see, um, different representation of black culture and it's, it's definitely not, um, something that's represented, um, a lot. And so I kind of like it that they were like, you know what, we want to tell our story. We want to do it in a fictional way, but still have elements of truth and we're going to do it ourselves. So I am more than willing to support this. Well, that reminds me of a great show that I started. Um, it was almost the same thing. It was called Charmed? No. Well, oh my God. I watched that on mute. <laughs> no. Uh, what We Do in the Shadows. Oh, I still have to see that. Have you, ben, have you seen yeah, that show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Have great. you seen the movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that was more movie. for... There's a movie. Yeah, old. Yeah, older. Yeah. Older. I haven't seen either, but I know I have to watch it because it's my, it's my friend. Taika. Taika Watiti. Yes. Taika Watiti. Taika Watiti. I will self-destruct now. (laughs) (laughs) You know that was him, Lynette? What? Yes. In The Mandalorian? Yeah. 
I knew I saw his name on there, but I didn't know which. Yeah, he was he was the IG eighty eight bot. Oh, now self destruct. <laughs> Don't self destruct. There's a reason I like it. <laughs> That's a great recommendation, Linda. That's awesome. It's a weird. So it's a YouTube series. Yeah, and the funny thing was is part of the reason why I wanted to check it out is because. Um, talking to my friends at work, um, the, my coworkers and stuff, and when I asked them like what they watch and trying to like, because I was like, I'm running out of recommendations, y'all like, help me out. They were like, oh, we don't really watch TV. And I was like, what do you watch? They're like, we watch web series. And I was like, oh, so like that's 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 where it's at. If you want to find new and extreme entertainment, they're finding web series on YouTube and some other platforms, and that's what they're watching. So Are there ads like every three minutes, like every YouTube clip. No, this one was straight through. I got 22 minutes of uninterrupted drama. Wow. Normally I watch something and I get a Geico commercial every eight seconds. Oof, that's rough. You know, it's it's so weird. Like, Deacon uh, gets really upset when a YouTube commercial comes on. But then I was thinking about, like, an average episode of Scooby-Doo when we were kids. Probably had, like, nine minutes of, of commercials. <laughs> Yeah, there, there was probably, you know, because like I think when they write for TV, I think I, I watched an interview with Larry David or Seinfeld. I think each episode of Seinfeld is 23 minutes. Mm-hmm. So you only have to write that long because there's seven minutes of ads. So like we're so spoiled in this day and age because I think now they start clipping along two ads every break. It's just crazy. But that's some uh, first world problems right there. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Bobby, what's your number three, baby? My three is all right. This is the story where I need your guys' uh, opinion. Oh, all right. Keep you on your toes a little bit. All right. Might get a little divided, might not. Here we go. So, recently, an 11th grader was suspended for wearing makeup. Okay. Something simple as that. All right. Well, it depends on what the makeup was. Well, there you go. (laughs) So, it was a, a boy who was wearing makeup. And the principal suspended him, and a lot of the other students started protesting, and they Good. got also suspended. Right, okay. right in the streets is what I say. Yeah. All right. So, question one: Do you think it's uh, if you were going to school with somebody and they got suspended for just wearing some makeup, would you mind your own business? Would you stand up for them? <laughs> where, where would you stand on that? Oh, this actually happened to me. Okay. Ooh, go ahead. Uh, when I was in high school, uh, the dress code s- specifically stated that boys were not allowed to wear skirts. Um, and my friends, because they are my friends, were like, well, that's ridiculous. Skirts leave room and air. And as long as I'm wearing underwear, who cares? And so um, they were a couple of them wore skirts to school and they got suspended. And so we all walked out with them. Um, we were like, that's absolutely barbaric that they can't wear skirts if they so choose. Um, and one of them actually did wear a kilt and then really went to town and was like, this is my, how I, how I represent my culture and you can't, you can't kick me out because this is a cultural, uh, cultural garb, traditional cultural garb. Would you kick out somebody with a hijab? You wouldn't like, it was, it was, it was intense. Like we really, we did that. And that was, I mean, and, and, and at that point, I mean, we were in the nineties, so I know we had grunge and goth kids. So a lot of the guys wore makeup anyway. It wasn't so much the makeup. It was really the dresses. There was a big protocol about you had to wear gender, gender conforming clothing. Mm-hmm. And that's how it stayed. Uh, no, they eventually changed it. Um, 
the the luckily the parents supported us. We got very lucky. The parents were very vocal and supported us and said, if this is a reason why you want to kick my child out of school, it's not a good enough reason. Um, we send them there to learn. And um, it's not like he was ca- causing any type of um, issues in class. He, you know, you're just preventing him from learning. Um, and he's trying to be as comfortable. And the thing was, is it was a long skirt. It wasn't even like it was showing, like it wasn't like a thigh high skirt. Girls wore mini skirts that were much shorter. Um, and so eventually, um, they, I don't, it took a while to correct the actual terminology, but it was then just known that if guys wanted to wear skirts to school, they could. Sound like they got a little more tolerant with it. Yeah. But it took a fight. Other students in this were protesting and saying that they were um, protecting the students' rights. Yeah. Not just for him, but for anybody that wanted to do it. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Time out. (laughs) What kind of makeup was going on here? Did you ever say what kind of makeup was going on? No, I didn't. (laughs) Because... Because I was going to show you a picture, but I couldn't show Lynette. Right. So was this? Because uh, if it's blackface, I'm going to say no. <laughs> <laughs> good point. Blackface. Good point. I didn't, we didn't get that far. I should have yeah. said that. Think, think like um, a, was it a juggalo on a budget. Juggalo? What's a oh, juggalo? So like white, like so, like clown white kind of thing. Not, not even across the whole face. It was like diagonal over the eyes and almost like the Joker with the smile. Oh, Ziggy Stardust kind of thing. A little oh, bit. Yeah. So Can that's what it was. Picture? Oh. I don't even have it anymore. Oh, I'll, oh. I'll, 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 I'll yeah. get behind that guy. Yeah, Lynette, right in the streets. I'm here, here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so the principal said that um, you can wear makeup, but it has to be light makeup. Mm-hmm. And you don't, they can't, it can't be a, a masquerade going on. So <laughs> they left it as he is still suspended. And he is going to school at the local YMCA until he starts conforming <gasps> with their rules. What town is this? Where is this? I think it was in Illinois somewhere. Oh, my yeah. God. Let's drive yeah. out to Illinois. We can do a live yes. broadcast. We're going to protest with the students. Let's bring down the government. Dude, seriously, that's awful. You know what? Like, even when I was a kid, uh, you know how they have, uh, what is it, uh, Ash Wednesday? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ash Wednesday. I would do Ash Thursday, and I'd dress like Bruce Campbell in Army of Darkness. <laughs> <laughs> I did that a couple of years well, in a row. That's a little different. Yeah. Uh, no, it's not. And so they, I was waiting for them to boot me out of school. I think they knew. And so, uh, but, you know, whatever. That's silly. Well, what's the difference between going to school with makeup on and them telling you not to, and then going to work a job and they say you can't have facial hair, or like the casino, you can't have tattoos showing. So I know this guy in the poker room, he would put a, a Band-Aid over his neck. Uh, 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 wait, wait, wait. That's wait, pri- wait. Private right. business. Private, private business, bro. Versus public education. Public school. So private and public. Yep, that's yep. the difference. Hmm. Though, though, private, yes. technically, private, um, private employers, when it comes to the beard, depending on if it's for religious reasons or not, they cannot tell you that you have to shave your beard if they have, um, if you have a religious reason to wear the beard. I remember when I was working at the casino, I did just a mustache. <laughs> and not that they made me shave it, but I was highly uh, encouraged to because I look like <laughs> a dirty drug dealer. I look. I like, was going to say, you would look like a stereo, stereotypical white van driving. Here, oh. honey, you want some candy? With Chris a mustache. Hansen would ask you to have a seat. <laughs> no one's going to offer it, get a drink from me. Uh, I look like... Uh, 
What was his he name? Would lose the Scotty. casino money. No, no, not Scotty. Who's who's uh, who's his character's name in uh, a Boogie Nights? Uh, Jane uh, Thomas Jane's character in oh. Boogie Nights. That's who I look uh, like. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was dirty. Yeah, I, that's my mustache right there. It looks terrible. And so, uh, yeah, it's kind of like you know, you, do you want to follow rules or do you want good moral judgment? And my mustache is a moral call. <laughs> Mm. But yeah, that's that's all. Yeah. Because Mm. then the question is, is what happens if, I mean, I know that it's, um, I know that it's a, it's a statement piece. It's a statement piece of makeup. But what happens if um, the next boy over wants to wear makeup and it's more feminizing makeup? Are they going to stop that? Or because they're going to say it's not light enough? Like, where, where do you draw, like, you're trying to draw a line on something that, if it's not distracting the student population from learning and if it's not distracting the person from learning and that is how they feel comfortable to learn, there should be no um, there should be no contraindication. And if it's not offending anybody, because that's the like, obviously, if they wrote, I support the KKK, you know, and lovely penmanship, right. then right. that's 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 a problem. Well, and then but you know what, with the feminine or masculine uh, dress. What about non-binary people too? You could Correct. you could have pan androgynous kind of makeup or dress on to make you look non-binary, and you can't discriminate. I, I that's a silly thing. That's such a silly thing. When when freedom of speech, I mean, we're not hurting anyone. Uh, just let everyone dress, and uh, that's so silly. I hate that. As a theater person that just loves mm-hmm. dressing like anything, or just because mm-hmm. it's fun. If I was discriminated against and someone told me I couldn't dress something, I mean, even with a job like I have, uh, you know, that, you know, you're dealing with sensitive um, people that are sensitive to emotions. I still love dressing up for Halloween. So that's silly. That's such a silly. Thing. Well, I wasn't allowed to dress up for Halloween this year. <gasps> right in the streets. I know. You just did it when you dressed up as a witch, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's not dressing up. That's my everyday attire. Don't forget that. <laughs> <laughs> no, so how, we we what? got around it with cosplay. That's right. Mm. But how hard is it, you know, coming from the other side, to not wear any makeup just when you're at school? Wear it after. I... No. That's silly. That's a silly statement. It's hmm. a silly statement. This is the reason why I have a problem with it. And, and this is Nurse Lynette talking. So hello, radio listeners, meet Nurse Lynette. So when you have an adolescent youth who's trying to learn where to fit in, and if they don't always fit in, they need to find whatever makes them confident. And if that little bit of makeup is what's going to make them confident and feel one with the world, then they should be allowed to express it and to wear it. Yeah, right. Like, you wouldn't feel like yourself, then you'd be distracted. Right. Well, that reminds me of my favorite show on Netflix called uh, Glow. Yes. Mm. Have you watched Lynette? Have you seen it? Yeah. I haven't seen oh. second season, but I've seen yeah. first season. Oh, Ben, how far yeah. are you? Uh second or something. Yeah. So you know the the woman that dresses up in the wolf. Oh, wolf fur. Yeah, yeah, wolf, yeah. Wolf, yeah. So I don't want to yeah, I don't want to spoil anything, but in the third season, I've I I've finished all of it. Um she takes it off. And she's what? a normal human being. Oh. oh yeah. And it take you know, it takes three seasons to do it. Right. Like you said. She feels so much more comfortable while wearing it. And people are telling her that you shouldn't wear it. And it's, you know, it's hurting your chances of being famous and being wrestler and being other things. And she says, no, no, no. 
Well, she does take it off, and she actually loves not having it. But that's the thing, is if she wasn't given that opportunity to be able to wear it and to, like, find like find the friendships in order to to support her to be able to not to wear it, it wouldn't have it wouldn't have the same effect. Does that make sense? Right. Well, she had and she had to go down that personal journey herself. Right. Even though we're talking about someone dressing as a wolf, that's the point of that character. That's what they're talking about in that show. And uh, like that show, even though it's about a ridiculous 80s women's of wrestling show, it's talking about feminism. It's talking about discrimination and oh, it's yeah. talking about uh, uh, being yourself. Even if people are saying, well, you're not going to be successful if you're if you be yourself. F that. You know what I mean? Like, because even in my line of work, like there's a billion counselors out there, but they all don't look like me and they all don't act like me. And that's Thank what gosh. makes me a best. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Can you imagine a couple of me? That'd be wild. Um, there's one. That's enough. <laughs> but like that's what makes me unique. That's what makes me kind of have a different perspective on the world where someone else might not be as um, brazen with their opinion. And sometimes you need a brazen opinion when it comes down to treatment. You need someone that's not scared to say, hey, something's not right here. So, you know, in yeah. all lines of work and life, you need someone that thinks a little different. But you just got to be open to it, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say I agree with either side. That's right. He just I just like to the stories where I make you guys just start talking <laughs> so anyway what do you think would you be riding oh, in the yeah. streets oh it doesn't matter what i think no what, what do you think <laughs> why'd you bring it up well i know you guys are very vocal so i would have thought i would have assumed both you guys would have taken you know the path that you did um i never went to school with anybody that wore makeup or dressed in in skirts huh. um really? so I, yeah i don't have a, a stake in that but you know if somebody did come to school with makeup on they probably get weird looks but i don't think it would have gone anything past just the the, the odd looks huh okay. you know what it it, it could it also be got, yeah go ahead i was gonna say bobby aren't you how many you're younger than me right but not by much much much, much. <laughs> wow did you, just, did you just call me the crone first you call me a witch now you call me a crone <laughs> Sorry, I'm don't poke my feet you. at all, please. Oh, I'm, <laughs> it's already being made. Little do you know, I stole your hair from the oh, beyond. I that, that feel was... that tingle down below. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but like, if if you're if you're if you got if there's a big chunk of time between us, then that could explain some of it too. But it also you went to school in a completely different area, right? Yeah. Like both Ben and I went to school on the East Coast. You saw where... it. <laughs> <laughs> where let's be real everybody's got their opinion and nobody knows how to shut the hell up so oh i went to school in northern minnesota where it was always so cold everyone always had a jacket on <laughs> what about mouth like did they just keep their mouth shut for fear that it was going to freeze on the inside uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was a very small town there was okay. there was nothing well times are much different now than how they were when we were younger but Back in the day, we used to have to carpool with a wagon. <laughs> I used to have to carpool both ways. <laughs> All right. All right. You guys ready to go YouTubing to wrap this show the F up? YouTubing. 
We're going to go YouTube. And so our segment on the show where we go YouTube, YouTube and down the rapids of the internet. So this is what we have ingested, what we have seen around the internet, what we have liked. Because every morning I got my coffee. I'm going to finish my coffee. I love my coffee in the morning. And I love watching YouTube before I get into work. It clears my head. Gets me going. You're a morning YouTuber? I'm morning YouTubing. I my. Were you going to say a morning you 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 YouTube? My YouTube is fully engorged in the morning, and I like to. That's my favorite time. So, Lynette, let's start with you. What do you got for YouTube in this morning? My YouTube this morning. This morning. This. <laughs> mm, it just so happens I did find it this morning. Mm. Um, is Avengers Endgame. You wanted more heroes. Um, it is a five-minute clip where uh, they have just decided to add every single possibility of person that you could think of in the Endgame uh, lovely thing to come beat Thanos. Um, it is freaking ridiculous. I love it. Um, it starts off with the traditional teams and then all of a sudden you start to see like some DC guys, some extra Marvel people, then maybe a Terminator shows up. There might even be a Rambo. It's ridiculous, but it's hilarious. I did post it on my, uh, on my Facebook and, um, you definitely should check it out. And I forgot whose station it is on. Oh, Mick Superfly. Um, and he just posted it three weeks ago. Nice. And that's huge. That's viral. That's a big yeah. one. Yeah. One question to you guys on that. Who would you love to see come out of one of those portals? I got it. Right off the bat. So it, easy. It doesn't so, even have to be a superhero. No, I got it. I got it right, right away. All right. Um, oh, I got two. I got two. Oh. Right off my bat. Right off the top of my head. Uh, first of all, uh, Ash <laughs> from from Army of Darkness. Oh, and then uh, Tony Montana from uh, Scarface. <laughs> ben, if you watch that video. I think the question will be answered. <laughs> Bobby, who's, who's yours? Uh, Joe Pesci. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Pesci, Goodfellas? Joe Pesci, Raging? No, Joe Pesci, Goodfellas. No, uh, Joe Pesci. Or Casino. No, Joe Pesci, Home Alone. Oh. <laughs> that guy could not die no. in the That's 19 true. ways that he should have died. <laughs> That's why George Carlin praised to him. <laughs> All right, Bobby, what do you got for YouTube? Oh, wow. I don't get to say who gets to come out of the holes. Oh, <laughs> oh Lynette. You just really don't like me today. Well, I, I, thought you, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm transitioning. What? I see you. I see you. Uh, no, I was going to say I would really like to see Ruth Bader Gainsburg jump out of one of them holes. <laughs> she just beat him to death with the law. Out of control. And I am out of control. <laughs> and then what? Go ahead. I was going to say, and then my other one would be Oprah, because I think Oprah would talk him to death. <laughs> All right. I don't really like Oprah. Can you tell? <laughs> All right. Thanos, check under your seat. <laughs> <laughs> you know who would be great coming out? Chris Hansen. He'd have be the seat. only one to tell Thanos to have a seat, because nobody never not has a seat. Yeah. <laughs> so right, I have a Bobby. good one. Um it would, there's probably 10 of them. So variety, they're... Spice of life. <laughs> well, they also have a great YouTube page. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're the group that uh, has an actor sit down and, you know, they tell all the movies they've been in, a little behind-the-scenes stuff. It. Yeah. Love it. Watch them, watch them all. They're great. Yeah. So I found one. It's, uh, it's called Actors on Actors. Mm. And so it's instead of 
you know, a journalist asking questions to an actor. It's an actor interviewing another actor and then back and forth. So oh, some yeah. of the ones they have on there are Scarlett Johansson and Chris Evans, uh, Shia LaBeouf and Kristen Stewart, Adam Driver, Charlize Theron, Jennifer Lopez and Robert Pattinson. Check this one out. Eddie Murphy and Antonio Banderas. Whoa. That would be a good one. Whoa. And then one I got through about 10 minutes of so far is uh, Brad Pitt and Adam Sandler. And just the stories of how they act, how they think of movies, stories behind their acting. Every episode is fantastic. And they're all about 42 minutes long. Excellent. Actors on actors. That's great. Uh, there's a great um, series. Uh, there's a great series called um, uh, Rick Rubin Epic Conversations. And he's only got like two or three, uh, maybe four of them. And the one I've seen is uh, Rick Rubin and uh, Kendrick Lamar. And he does a couple other, like, but I love when someone that's famous, equally famous, equals someone that's equally famous. It's just so interesting because oh, yeah. they have such a weird perspective on everything. It's great. Yeah, Kristen Stewart said it was so awkward being interviewed by Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> <laughs> that must have been the most awkward conversation ever just between the two of them. That's the one I turned off because Kristen Stewart is too awkward for me. Oh, God, I hate her so much. Yeah, I'm not a big fan. <laughs> But I am a giant fan of Shia LaBeouf lately. He's he's in some some great movies. Did you Peter see Peter Butter Falcon? Seen in theater. Ching show me beer. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So for mine, I went kind of all over the place, but I'll try to hammer it down to maybe three or four. Um, <laughs> so let's do. I have. Um, there's a great uh, Amazon.com had Paisley Park sessions back where it's at. The song is back where it's at. But he does it live and he did it in the studio. It's a great performance. It popped up on my YouTube feed. It's phenomenal. Live band, him doing where it's at two turntables and a microphone. Awesome. Uh, next, I have uh, 10 free hidden Roku gems that every cord cutter should try. This guy goes through free TV, free um, movie apps, free streaming apps, or apps that have just limited commercials. Check that video out. If you're ready to cut the cord, you have a Roku stick. I have a Chromecast. Actually, in my house, I have a Fire Stick, Roku stick, and a Chromecast now. So I'm kind of like, I couldn't pick one. I just went for different ones in every room. He hasn't seen daylight in nine days. (laughs) And an Xbox One. Uh, So then um, 10 interesting facts about Jeff Lynn. Jeff Lynn, of course, from ELO and the Traveling Wilburys. Uh, Ten interesting facts, and they talk about all of the songs that he produced. He produced and wrote songs for Aerosmith. He produced and wrote Smith's uh, songs for uh, Tom Petty, including Running Down a Dream. He was all over the map as far as a producer when he was not with ELO. Great stuff. And then finally, bring it back to nerddom and and entertainment. I have a, 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 a video by Looper. There's a great uh, channel, Looper. They do great videos. This one's called Jedi Ranks Finally Fully Explained. And now how we're all back into Mandalorians and their guild and everything and their religion that worships weapons. This one breaks down Jedis and how they are fully ranked and what kind of Jedi you could be. Um, It's great. So check all those videos out. Uh, Kids, Lynette, Bobby. Lynette, you got anything going on? Anything you want to promote? Plugs? Um, maybe. I've been thinking about possibly writing my memoirs. Um, that, that might be something I might work on soon. Life of a I... witch. <laughs> Correct. Yes, Life of a Witch. 
of a no, because you're from Connecticut, Ben. Never mind. I was gonna say Life of a Connecticut Witch, but that doesn't work for me. Um, <laughs> that would be your memoir. Um, anyway, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. I'm just uh chilling for Thanksgiving and the holidays. Just gonna get snuggled up with my cats and my family. And uh, yeah, that's it. Rock and roll, Bobby. You got anything going on? Um, <laughs> no. I although today, yeah. uh, it it is very hard to to walk around because I I joined in a class of uh, TRX. Mm. You ever heard of it? No. It's where these like straps are hung down from uh, just a little rafter. Oh, it's the bondage and, thing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it swings <laughs> and you put your feet in there. <laughs> Close. You hold on yeah. and you, you lean back and then you pull yourself up kind of thing and then squats and lunges. If you uh, hate yourself, yeah. you definitely should go do this. <laughs> Self-harm. Yeah, so I did that, and then an hour of tennis, and I'm surprised I'm here right now. But, so not bondage, but actually masochism. Got it. <laughs> same thing. So not yeah, the I'll, same I'll, thing. Could you, be you could find me in the uh, the old TRX gym. Woo. Um, and as far ben. as me, yeah, as far as uh, I go, uh, I don't know. She's gonna keep uh, throwing middies and sucking titties, you know. <laughs> And uh, gonna go keep uh, seeing. Hopefully, the um, Rome Capital has more Oscar movies. Hopefully, gonna see all the Oscar movies before this year. That's some a trend I've been trying to hold since we started this podcast. So, um, on the way out, guys, we've been going for a while. What's your pick for a movie that you're hopeful for for the Oscars this year, Lynette? Jojo Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit. I know that review of yours was crazy, Bobby. Oh, is that out yet? Yeah, yeah, it is. Not around here, huh? Yeah, we got to see it. Oh. <laughs> Boy, movie of the year. Movie of the year, but or a movie that you're excited for, like, people to, you know, be nominated in it or something like that, or... Oh, wow. Well, I don't know. The first... There's so many movies to, to think about that I can't even think of right now. A but since you just beyond. mentioned it, um, Peanut Butter Falcon hit, hits you right in the feels. Yeah, yeah. And there's a guy in there. Well, Shia, everyone in there is is pretty amazing. I, ben, I know yours is probably uh, once upon a time in Hollywood. Oh, Midsummer, Bruby. That's not going to win any awards. Really? There's no way it's I not don't... even going to be nominated. What? It's too dark. Yep. What the fuck are you guys talking about? What? <laughs> what? Midsummer. Anything... Like comedies, if... they don't win anything. Yeah. And neither will Midsummer. If what? anything, what? it'll Does... get it'll what? get nominated for a technical. You guys, and that's dirty. it, and it won't win. No, you guys are full of garbage. And so is the Academy. It's full of garbage, too. I mean, hey, that's real. Right hey, that movie affected me still to this day. I, I know. I hope it does. We're going to be talking about Hereditary and Midsummer uh, 20 years from now. Did and all Hereditary this other... win anything? No. Nope. Mm. Something needs to change in this world. Has I a horror like... movie ever won? An oh, Rosemary's Baby? Exorcist. Exorcist? Oscar? Yes. Yeah. For movie of the year? Yes. Huh. And then what about Rosemary's Baby? Didn't that one? Yes. So 40 years ago. Yeah. Horror yep. movie. <laughs> so every 40 years. Sons of Lambs, bitch. <laughs> one, it was the only, yeah. the only movie to sweep. Best actor, best actress, best director, best screenplay, best picture of the year. Never seen it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get in the British movie. Oh, All wait. Right. Get out. Get out. No, he's seen it. <laughs> No, 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 no. I mean the movie, Get Out. No, get Out. I didn't mean that. That was really funny, though. <laughs> Wait, that came out this year? 
Okay. <laughs> no. But that got nominated for an Oscar and won for Best Director. Well, that was a comedy they, they put it in the category of. They That's don't have I, a comedy category at the Oscars. You're talking about, you're talking about Golden Globes. Golden Globes. Same thing. Yeah, whatever. Mm, anyway, Bobby needs to brush up on this. So, guys, <laughs> this has been Desperately Seeking Entertainment. We will see you next week. We'll hopefully bring, uh, you know, tons of more entertainment. Happy holidays, everyone. Happy holidays, everyone. Have Enjoy a turkey out there and just have a great day. I've been Ben Frawley, and uh, we're all out of here. We'll see you next week. Bye.